Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Excellent. You have made your first wise choice of the day, right? You came to church. You joined with the body of believers. You get to do this. And today we're going to talk about making wise choices, right? Because we live in a world that is absolutely filled with choices, right? And researchers have actually done the work. They've actually looked at this and said, like, how many, like, how many choices do we have to make in any given day, right? What do you think? Is it 30, 300, 3,000? They said it's like 35,000 choices that we have to make in any given day. And there's a few of you who are like overachievers and you're like, it's probably like 40 or 50 for me. I'm probably doing it well. Like just a little bit more than the next guy. Now, a lot of those choices I'll give you are, are choices that are kind of made automatically, right? We don't have to think a lot about them. And then there's choices that are like, they only affect a few hours of your day. You know, when am I gonna get up in the morning? What am I gonna have to eat? What am I gonna wear? Uh, who am I gonna talk to? Who am I gonna avoid at church today? Because I don't wanna talk to them. I'm sure none of you are ever thinking any of that, right? You know, if you're a student, it's maybe like, when am I going to study? Maybe it's if I'm going to study students. students. See, wise choices. We're watching. You got this. Now, there's other decisions, though. They can affect, like, our whole lives. Some decisions, they have this impact that can have a huge lasting impact shaping, you know, our everyday life and where we're going. So a big questions that immediately come to mind, like, am I going to go to college? Am I not going to go to college? If I do go to college, what am I going to study? What do I want to do for work? Will I marry? Will I not marry? If so, will I have kids? How many? Where will I live? Our, our life becomes the sum of so many of these choices that we have to make. And I can admit, it can be, it'd be daunting, a little bit scary, because these choices affect so much of how we have to live out our life, right? But then there's also these choices that are really important that affect who we are on the inside. They, they affect the kind of fruit and character with which we're going to actually live our life. So we ask, will I be someone who's going to be, who's going to cheat to get ahead? Or will I choose to be honest in my public and private life? So if I choose to cheat on that math test, will I later choose to cheat my customers or cheat on my spouse? Will I respond to difficult challenges in my life by escaping with things that bring temporary happiness, right? Am I going to be seeking that adrenaline rush? Will I turn to drugs and alcohol? How I res will I respond to critics? How am I going to treat the people <clears throat> that I don't actually agree with? And that's a real question for us, right? Especially in today's day and age. We can type whatever we want and blast it to the world. Who are my friends? Who am I letting influence my decisions? Am I willing to make Jesus the Lord of my life or am I going to choose to be the Lord of my own life? Now, this idea of who we're surrounding our lives with is really important, right? You know, from health to happiness, they say that, that who you surround your, yourself with has a huge impact on all of those things in your life. And there's so many choices that you're probably at this point going, Mike, would you please stop listing all of them? I'm stressing out with all the decisions that I still have to make. I get it. It can be totally overwhelming. It's so especially overwhelming because it's so easy to make foolish choices, right? To get off track to make the wrong ones. We get tripped up. In part, that's because there's just so many choices that we have to make. And in part, because there's just so much information and opinions that are being thrown our way at any given time. And nobody wants to make decisions that are seen as foolish. But I'm sure we can all look back at some of our decisions and be like, yeah, that maybe wasn't the best decision. Now, 
It's a lot easier if we actually look at somebody else's life because it's way easier to be like, well, they're clearly making foolish decisions, right? So even if you can't find any of your own, I'm sure you can look around you. Maybe the person next to you and be like, yeah, foolish choices. Well, the good news is we actually have help when it comes to making decisions because we want to be men and women who are are men and women of wisdom, who make wise choices from big ones to little ones. And and this this doesn't mean that we're all going to make the same decisions, right? Because God wants to have a relationship with each of us individually to personally walk us through what it means to make good decisions, decisions in every season of our life as we navigate the paths and journey with him. So last week, we began a brand new series called In Every Season, where we're looking at the book of Psalms and seeing how this book has words and wisdom that can actually help us in every season that we face. See, the the biblical writers of Psalms, they actually understood what it meant to wrestle with this idea of making wise decisions. And they recognized there's a difference between those who make uh, wise decisions with God and those who are making foolish decisions without God. And today we're going to explore how God's wisdom can make all the difference in our lives and the choices that we have to make. But first, maybe we should actually just pause and ask him for a little wisdom as we pray today. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that you're here. Father, we're thankful that you have gifted us with all of your good gifts. And so we pray today, would you come? Would you guide us? Would you open our hearts to what you have for us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I have a confession. I did not always find myself connecting well with or having much appreciation for the Psalms. So the writing style of this book, it's, it's very poetic, right? And if I'm being really honest, I've not always been a huge appreciator of poetry, whether we're in or outside of the Bible, now, hear me out. When I was younger in my faith, like the, I, I loved those great stories of the Bible, right? The David and Goliath, Jonah and the whale, the creation, the story of the flood, and, and all the places where there was some really great stories. Man, that's really where I connected with. I love that. But I, I, I admittedly struggled to connect with some of the more flowery language that you might find in a book like Psalms, right, and poetry. And I fully admit, I'm, I'm more of an action movie type of guy. So my brain would often do that autopilot thing that it does when I read the Psalms. You know what I'm talking about. Let's, it's like you're on a road trip, right? And you're on the interstate and you've gone like 50 miles, you're an hour down the road and you have no recollection of all of what you just drove past, right? You know, you know there's some part of your brain, it stayed active because you're still safely driving right now, but I have no memory of what just happened, right? You're like, I could have seen a pink elephant back there. I have no idea, nothing, it's gone. Well, this is what would happen when I would read the Psalms, Right? You, you get to the, so you read through a book or a chapter in Psalms and I'd get to the end and I'd be like, I, I got nothing. What did I just read? What was I thinking about? Like my brain was completely uh, just on standby. It went off there, right? And I'm sure that right now that, that with this disclosure, you are so happy that Mike is going to talk about the Psalms today, right? Some of you are just automatically clicking into autopilot like, all right, we're just gonna have to get through this one. Now, don't worry. Something amazing that happened to me nearly 20 years ago. It shifted my whole perspective on the Bible, including the book of Psalms. See, I met the person of the Holy Spirit. And I had this experience of of this fresh baptism, of this stirring up in the Spirit, and it opened up the Scriptures to me in a whole new way, including, including the book of Psalms. Because what happened was, as I'm reading the Psalms, as I've had this stirring up in the Spirit, I've had this, this, this thing where I'm suddenly recognizing the same Spirit that is guiding the writers that they're, that they're writing to here, 
is the same spirit that I'm encountering over here in this fresh new way. See, the Bible was never actually meant to be read without the help of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that it's only with the help of the Holy Spirit that we can truly understand God. In fact, this is what what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 11 through 13. You can read along with me on the screen here or or in your own Bible. It says this, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God except through God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. So it's through the spirit that we can actually know and understand God. This is this wonderful secret of the Holy Spirit. It's through the spirit that we're actually going to walk through the Psalms and engage with what God has for us in his word. And we actually just came through a whole series where we talked about the Holy Spirit. And if you did not get a chance to listen to those messages, I I highly encourage you, go back and listen to those. Because one of the things we learn about, one one of the ways that we encounter the Holy Spirit is as a teacher, right? He wants to be our teacher. So here's the encouraging thing. If you're a believer, if you know Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes in our walk, we need that that stirring up, that fresh baptism of Holy Spirit. But all we have to do is we just need to come to him. We need to ask, would you come? Would you be our teacher? Would you be my guide in reading the scriptures, revealing the heart and mind of God? It's the spirit that's the key here. And one of our goals as we go through this, this series in every season is to engage with the Psalms in a fresh new way, to have the same experience of this fresh encounter with what God is speaking to us there. So we're encouraging you to approach your time in the Psalms by practicing the three R's. And no, that's not a bad pirate joke, like the three R's, yes, read them up. It's not, it kind of works though. Now it's actually just three words that happen to start with the letter R. And we have those words because my wife, Julie, wrote the first message and she loves alliteration. I have to live with it, so now do you, you do too, okay? No, actually, these are really, actually really helpful things that we can use to read through the scriptures. And we're gonna use these to read through the Psalms, but honestly, you can use these to read through any, any point. And, the, and those are read, reflect, and respond. Those are the three R's, read, reflect, respond. So we're first gonna read through the scriptures, then we're gonna reflect and ask God what he's speaking through those scriptures, and then we're gonna ask him, how should we respond? So this is how we're gonna walk through this. And so to help you with some of these things, we're actually, we've made some, some useful resources that you can utilize if you'd like. Uh, you can, there's a bookmark that we made that has some, some simple prompts that we can use to walk through. There's a physical bookmark. You can pick it up in our commons. If you didn't pick one up already last week or this week uh, when you came in, you can grab one on your way out. Um, there's also some digital resources that's actually, you can get that in a digital resource as well. There's some links on that page. If you have your phone, you can just scan that and click on the link and it will take you to a link with different resources, some books. There's just some, some places we wanted to, to make you feel like this. But you can honestly, you can read through it in many different ways. You can read a Psalm a day. You can read the Psalms in your one-year Bible, which always includes a Psalm every time you read. There's lots of different options that you can do, but pick one of those up, make sure you get that information. So we're actually gonna practice this today. We're gonna practice what we're talking about in these tools and resources today. We're gonna read through Psalm 1 and we're gonna reflect on what we're reading and then we're gonna look at how we can respond. And as we learned last week, there's actually a lot of different types of Psalms, right? There's Thanksgiving, there's praise, 
There's lament, there's royalty, and there's wisdom. And the book that we're gonna read, Psalm 1, is a psalm of wisdom. See, wisdom psalm speaks how we can better live our life in connection and alignment with God in every season that we're in. So that's seasons of joy, seasons of sorrow, seasons of learning, seasons of giving. See, God wants us to give us wisdom in all of those things because we have lots of choices that we have to make. And the answer to making uh, to all those choices that we have to make is wisdom. Wisdom is God's answer to making good decisions. And so what I've found, though, know, as, as we read through Psalms and we're looking for answers and wisdom, here's what I want you to know. Very rarely do you read the Bible and find very specific answers to your individual questions. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that you're not gonna read the Bible and find the name of the school that you're supposed to, to go to. You're probably not gonna find the name of, of the boss or the company that you're supposed to work for. And you're probably not gonna find the address that you're supposed to live. So, so the Bible doesn't necessarily answer in those ways, but what it does give us is wisdom principles like we're going to see in Psalm 1. And in those principles, it helps position ourselves in Jesus so we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and make decisions that flow from that place of wisdom. And Psalm 1 speaks to that. How can we position our lives to help best make those decisions with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Now, a little bit about Psalm 1. We don't have a specific author that's listed for this particular psalm. And as you go read through the book of Psalms, you'll read in each one, there's, there's lots of places where it credits different authors. So there's multiple authors that we're gonna walk through. Like King David is accredited with a lot of the book of Psalms. But there's multiples that are in there. Psalm 1 doesn't have that. But the compiler of the Psalms, he was strategic with Psalm 1 and putting it first. Because what we see in it is this template that's actually played out, especially through the wisdom psalms that we see, which is a big chunk of the book. We see this place where it's a, kind of a template for how we see these others laid out as well. And what it does is it contrasts this, this place of the wisdom of walking with God against the foolishness of those who walk without God. And as you read this, I want you to listen to this strong poetic language. Yes, I'm telling you, listen to the poetic language. It's okay. That the, in this, the author is using it to contrast someone who follows God versus someone who doesn't follow God. And we learned last week one of the important things as we read through the Psalms and as really as we read through the Bible, we put on the lens. We don't set aside the fact that we're living now with Jesus in a brand new covenant that we see in the New Testament. We don't set aside that new covenant to read the old. We look at it now through the lens of that new covenant. We put our sunglasses on, our Jesus glasses on, and we look through that to help us understand what it looks like for us today. So I think that's important as we put those filters on to do that. So we're gonna actually read through all of Psalm 1. And again, you can turn with me to that if you'd like, or you can read along with me on the screens. And it's only six verses, so it won't take too long to read through this, but we can read through all of it, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna reflect on some of the verses that we have here. So let's read through this now. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." What did you notice here? What stood out? What questions do you have? 
See, these are good prompts that you can use even as you're reading this in your own time, those questions. And I know one of the things that immediately stood out to me is this idea of what we pointed out before, this idea that there's this contrast that's happening, right? It's contrasting the life of the one who walks with God, we that in the very first verse, the blessed man, with the life of those who choose to walk without God, right? The wicked or, or what other uh, parts of the Bible you might read as the foolish or the ungodly, right? So let's break this down just a little bit and, we, and look at verse one more closely. So what does it say there? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. Now this is not soft language, right? This is that poetic imagery. This is it's seeking to invoke a strong reaction and understanding as it utilizes language that for us, even hearing it today, might sound just a little bit harsh, right? It may not be language that we normally, normally use in this, right? The wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, right? What it's saying is those who are choosing to live without God, right? A scoffer is someone who's contemptuous, who's mocking, who's critical. Other translations might say, say foolish or ungodly, right? And what we see in this verse is a progression of how sin and distraction can work in our lives, right? It says we go from walking to standing, to sitting. So see, what happens is sin can interrupt our walk with God. It pauses us on our mission that we're supposed to be on with him. And once we're standing still, suddenly we're, we're an easy target for sin. And suddenly we can find ourselves fully immersed in the things that isolate us from God and his best for us, his people. See, this is what happens when we let our decisions be influenced by those who don't know Jesus, right? We don't want to put in our place, ourselves in a place where we're walking on mission with the ungodly. We don't put ourselves in a path that we know is going to intersect with sin and those who are, are walking in a different path. We don't choose to sit and plant ourselves under the influence of those who are critical and would scoff at Jesus. And this happens to all of us, though. We can look at this and say, well, I don't do that. I'm not doing that. Some of us, maybe we are. But it happens to all of us. So for example, when I let my anger get the best of me, it's like I'm taking a walk with the ungodly. See, I'm being foolish by letting my thoughts and emotions be ruled by the counsel of anger. And what happens then is my anger and my frustration put me in a path where sin becomes the easiest choice. And I can find myself doing the very things which take me out of and mock Jesus best for my life. See, foolish decisions come when Jesus stops ruling our minds. And just as a final thought here, I wanna be clear. These verses aren't saying to never be around people who don't know Jesus. We're missing it if we're, if we're reading it into that, right? Because of course, we're called to be the salt of the earth, which means we have to mix it up sometimes with those who don't. What it's talking about is where are we letting influence? Where's the spiritual proximity happening in our life, right? Where are we plugging into that's having influence and authority that's not from God, not wisdom from God. So let's keep reading here in verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. So it says we're called to delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it all day. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, let's understand what it means when it says the law, right? Because we hear law, we're like, oh, a set of instructions, like a set of rules that we have to follow. Well, the word here in Hebrew is actually the Torah, right? Which means God's direction, his instruction. The Torah would have been the, the, the scripture that they would have known at the time. So as it's talking about meditating law, it's talking about all of God's wisdom and instruction, his word, what we would today know as the scripture, the Bible. Again, we're putting our lens today on to understand what it's meaning. So the psalmist is telling us that wisdom, that's living the way of the blessed man, 
is when we delight in the law, meditating on it day and night. When we do this through the power of the Spirit, something amazing happens. We actually begin to reveal more of Jesus in us and to us because we have access to God's wisdom, his good plans for us. So what happens is we have the written word begins to reveal the living word. That's who Jesus is. Scripture calls Jesus the living word. Now, this is really important too that we don't get tripped up on things like the word meditating here, right? Because that can get co-opted by things and we're like, oh, that kind of sounds a little new agey. I'm not sure about that, that meditation thing. Well, let, let me just make a contrast here. There's two different ways that we think about that. In, in, in kind of a new age construct of meditation, what that would mean is to, to empty yourself, right? To empty oneself of all thought and things. Again, God doesn't give us, what does 2 Corinthians say? doesn't give us the spirit of this world. He gives us his spirit. In the Bible, when it talks about meditation, it talks about we are to fill ourselves with something. So it's the opposite, right? We're not emptying ourselves. We're actually to fill ourselves. And, and so wisdom says, get to know your Bible. Spend time in God's word. Let it soak into you. Let it fill you up. Let it change you. Let it guide you. Let it help you in making those decisions that you have to make. That's the way of the blessed man. So we're seeing this, here's the way of the blessed man. Here's what he used to do. What happens when he does those things, when he begins to meditate day and night, when he begins to plug himself in? Well, verse three says this. It says, now he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Is anybody else in leaf purgatory right now? It's that season, right? You know, we, we, we moved to this house about 10 years ago. Lots of mature trees. They're great in the summertime, but oh my goodness. It's never ending this time of year, right? You go out and you're like, I got this. We're gonna take care of these leaves. We're gonna clean them up. The yard looks good for about two hours. And then suddenly you look out and it's completely covered. It's like you didn't do anything. I was like, did I go on autopilot again? Did I just imagine that I did those things? Isn't it? It's terrible, right? We know what it means, right? We're in that season when things wither, when they die, when they fall off of that tree, right? That's the, the, the world we live in. That means winter's coming and we better get used to gray and brown here in Illinois, right? Here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, we don't actually have to, when we follow his wisdom, when we follow his ways, we don't actually have to go through that withering season. Because see, we're like the trees who are planted by the source of life himself. We yield our fruit in those seasons, we're not withering, we're prospering. What a beautiful promise. Jesus is our source in each season of life. He keeps us going and he keeps us growing, right? We're going on mission. We're walking on mission with him and we're growing with him. That means even in hard seasons, even in difficult seasons, we can still produce, right? Did you know that a tree in the desert that has a steady source of water can still thrive? We too can survive tough seasons when we're plugged into the source of life, when we're plugged into Jesus. See, when we delight in his word, when we meditate it day and night, we're planted in that place of promise. We're planted with that life. So if we want our decisions and choices to bear good fruit and to prosper, we have to have that firm foundation in Jesus. And when it says prosper here in the Bible, it's not just talking about a financial prospering. This means prospering in our relationships, prospering in our family, prospering in our communities, prospering in all that we get to do and touch. Prospering is a whole life in this. So do your lives and do our lives bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? We have the fruit of the Spirit. Again, we can go to Scripture and see what does that fruit look like? Well, we look at the fruit of the Spirit of patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and all those fruits of the Spirit we see listed in the New Testament. If they're not, if that's not the fruit that you're finding in your life, come back. 
What's the source you're plugging into? Find his word, spend time in it, meditating, delighting in him. God is the source of life, so let's lean in to him. All right, I wanna read verses four through six. We're gonna read all three of these together here. What you'll see is the first three are kind of setting it up and verses four through six are kind of a summary of what we just said in those. Uh, And so let's read through verses four through six. It says this, the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Again, we're getting that contrast now from blessed man to those who are ungodly. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Again, we're using this contrast between a righteous or godly person and those who don't yet know him. So the wicked make foolish choices that are lead to instability. They're like the shaft that is blown away in the wind because it doesn't stick. It's not rooted in Jesus, his ways, his wisdom, and his word. Ultimately, that will not last. And I wanna challenge us as we read a, a verse like this. We can read this and sometimes feel like we have a license to judge because we're reading it here. Say, oh, see God, he's judging the sinners. He's judging the wicked. They're not gonna stand. We can do all that. First of all, I wanna encourage you, don't try to take God's place as judge. It never goes well for us. Secondly, we have to see context and covenant again as we read, right? We put those lenses on. So our new covenant lens are our Jesus sunglasses, right? This is, it tells us to be more Jesus conscious than judgment conscious. Now this is a picture of what will happen. That judgment will happen. Those things happen to those who never choose to let Jesus into their life. But do you know God's desire is actually that all should know him? See, we know God's heart isn't that, that, that he wants to do this. His heart is that all should know him. How do we know that? Because we have scripture that we can go to, right? Second Peter 3.9 tells us, the Lord doesn't wish that any should perish. In fact, he wants all to come to repentance and salvation. So even the wicked and the foolish, they're not without hope. They actually just need to submit themselves to Jesus. So here's the reality. The, the, the fruit of our good decisions, the fruit of us walking in wisdom and walking with Jesus is that we get to be an example of hope to those who do not know him. Those who are walking without can look to those who are walking with and say, I have hope, not I'm hopeless, not that I'm judged. Our life should not be lived in a way that the good choices we make judge others. Instead, they bring hope to those that we get to walk with. See, we end this verse now with this incredible promise that the Lord actually knows the way of the righteous. How many of us actually want to be known in our life? Do you want to be known? See, it says here that the Lord knows who you are when you walk with him. He knows the ways he wants to take us. He knows the decisions that we need to make. And he has wisdom for all of us in that. So to summarize this psalm, this is what it's saying. Psalm 1, those who know God will take joy in Jesus, finding life in him and his word. They'll be fruitful in every season and they will be known by their heavenly father. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like the gospel. It sounds like the good news, right? When we know Jesus, our lives will be changed. We will have life, not death. We'll have eternal life and we won't perish. See, even Psalm 1 is speaking the gospel when we put on our Jesus lens. We can hear it, we can see it, what God was speaking into the future in a time a thousand years before. So what's our response to this? right? Well, we just look at it and say, okay, let's begin to look at what it's telling us, right? The blessed man's one who delights and meditates on the word of God. Is that something we can do? Yeah. We can find the word of God. We can delight in it. We can take time with it. See, the word of God's our source for wisdom and strength and joy and hope. And when we're plugged in here, 
When we need wisdom, now we have a place and a path to go from, right? Have you ever had to make a really difficult decision in your life? I'm gonna guess yes, right? And I'm not talking like Chick-fil-A or Culver's, right? Those, it's a, I get it, it's a, it's a difficult choice, I get it. I'm talking a little bit more serious though. It is a hard one. I'll tell you a little story. So uh, years ago, I was working for a company. It was a really good company. I had a really good spot in there. It was, uh, it was a good leadership position, had lots of potential for advancement. And, and during this season, uh, Julie's parents, uh, Happy and Diane, our founding pastors, they began to talk to us a little bit about, you know, what would it look like to maybe come on, on staff here? It's like, oh, okay, well, this, this is an interesting question. It's not what I planned or had planned for my life. I was honored. I was flattered, right? Of course, it's nice to be wanted. And of course, I'm a catch. So of course, they wanted to talk to me. I better go back to the wisdom verses and look at humility, I think. No, I, I, I kid. Now, here's the challenge, though. So I'm working for this other company, and the, my boss comes to me and says, hey, I want you to move with the company to Boca Raton, Florida, where we're, we're moving the whole company. Okay. Now, if you're not familiar, Boca Raton is a beautiful community on the Atlantic coast. Great weather, great beaches. There's actually great schools for our kids. Like, okay. So we're talking about this, and, and I get this offer, and at the same time, Happy and I have come to us and said, hey, I think you're supposed to take this, this role at the time, our executive pastor role. Okay, this is a tough decision. And here's the thing. It was only a, a few years before this that I was laid off my job, that I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going. And now, a few years later, I'm faced with two really great opportunities. I need wisdom. Where are we gonna go? And so we said, okay, we're gonna go to God's word first. We're gonna start there, right? So we went there, and God took us actually to a whole other wisdom book, the book of Proverbs, right? So we're reading in the book of Psalms, but he took us to this verse in Proverbs. Now, actually, you wanna read this verse. This is what it said. Verse, uh, Proverbs 3, verses five through six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There's a key. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Okay, all right, God. So we're gonna lean into you. I'm not just gonna lean on my own wisdom on what makes sense to me. We're gonna do that. We're gonna take that advice. So we began to do that. We began to read the word. We began to actually go over prophetic words that have been spoken over our life and ask, God, what are you speaking over us? Where are you taking us? And then we also actually looked and we sought the counsel of those who had the fruit of wisdom in their life. And we asked their counsel because they're doing it, the very thing that we're trying to learn how to do. So we find those people in our life who can do that. And it became pretty clear quickly that our role, or what God was asking was for us to say yes to a ministry role here at the church. And that discernment became clear because it was wisdom as we connected to Jesus, right? And others who were following him too. Now, human wisdom would have probably just said, take the job in Florida, right? The finances actually made more sense. The sunshine made a lot of sense, especially when it's about to be gray and brown here for the next six months, right? Still have some questions to God about this. There was actually a lot of reasons to say yes from a human perspective, from human wisdom, right? But if I wanted to say yes to that, I would have had to ignore God. See, that would have been a foolish decision. So to say yes to human wisdom, for me, would have been to say no to God's wisdom. That's not wisdom. That's not a good choice. See, we all have decisions and choices that we have to make. And God wants to give you the wisdom for those decisions. He's given an amazing tool in his word. And we want to bear good fruit. We want to be known 
by our Heavenly Father, right? So our response to wisdom is that we hear and we obey. So when we delight in his word, we'll find life instead of death, we'll find hope instead of hopelessness, and we'll find joy even in the midst of sorrow because we can have good fruit in every season. So if you're feeling dry and withered today, it's time to look, what have you plugged into? What are the people around you plugged into? Who's giving you counsel? Remember the passage we read in 1 Corinthians 2, it told us that we, God doesn't give us the world spirit. He gives us his spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to walk us through all these things. See, church, we live in a moment where we are inundated with the wisdom of this world, the so-called wisdom of this world, right? We just came through a season where a bunch of politicians were telling us that they had the solutions for all the problems that we face. And I too truly pray to God that they can tap into God's wisdom and not just their own, because if not, those solutions will not last. Why is that? Because the answers of the world do not bring the solutions of heaven. If we want God's wisdom, we have to position ourselves to hear and receive from him, and we have to turn off that autopilot that's missing the wisdom God's given us. The wisdom he's given us in his scripture as we actively seek his heart and his wisdom for our lives in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So my challenge to you is we is to dive into the Psalms, to read, to reflect, and to respond as you put on your Jesus filter, as you actively, intentionally seek him with the Holy Spirit. I promise you that is one decision you will not be disappointed with. Would you pray with me today? Father, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful that we do not have to do any of this alone. God, I thank you that we get to do all of this in partnership with you, in partnership with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your wisdom to make good decisions in every choice that we have to make. Would you come now? Would you be with us as we worship you to be in your presence, to connect with you and to connect with your heart? In Jesus' name, amen.